This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time for bookends. Kia ora, welcome to bookends with Maureen Rout and Ruth Todd. And non-fiction is my delight this week. Um, Neville Pete is a well-known Otago oh, writer. Yeah, extremely. And uh, written so many books, probably around 40 to 50, I think, when I did my last count. And um, conservation, geography, into the island. This one is about the eight islands that he has loved most that, that belong to Aotearoa. And... Uh, I talked about two of them with him. I talked about Rakiola and I talked about uh, the Antarctic. And it's almost like a memoir because he's going back to his diaries when he first wrote the first books and first visited these places. And it's just delightful. Good. And um, my book this week is a first collection of poetry from Wellington poet Vivian Ulrich. After Kristallnacht, the din on the concourse is feeding off all the hard surfaces, beating on her brain. Vali tries to imprint the image of her daughter forever on her retina, the curve of her ear, the down on her cheek. She is telling lie after lie until she feels sick. Suddenly, Vali is not here. She is in the time-lapse present when they told her Hans was dead her inner core shriveling and tightening. Yesterday, walking to buy bread, directing her gaze always elsewhere, alive again to the charred reek, glass shards kibbling under her soles, this seemed the only way. One small suitcase. No more than ten marks, nothing of value. No parent on the platform. The train will leave at 1,400 hours. The list of instructions barely contains Vali in her uncertainty. That was Wellington poet Vivian Ulrich reading from her new collection, We Came From Hamburg. Vivian is a retired Wellington lawyer and family court judge. She has an MA in creative writing from Teheringa Waka, Victoria University of Wellington, and it was during her year of doing the MA that she put together the first draft of this collection. Vivian, it's a very personal collection in that it contains stories from your husband's family. And yes. yeah, was did you have to I mean get permission or did you feel you had permission to tell these stories? Oh, well, when, when I when I wrote them, I wasn't thinking so much about that. But I, I definitely, I've, I circulated the original draft poems. I circulated among all the family here and and in America and whatnot. And yes, so I mean, I did, and they they were all happy that that I'd done it and that it would be published. Yes, yeah. No, I knew I had to do that. And the New Zealand family were definitely very supportive, and you know. Yes, they would like have, what I've done. Yes, mm. they would have known that you were working on this, because it's 
it's your husband's family that you're writing about, isn't it? Yes, yes. So give it's us, his. yes. So give us, um, you know, in a, sh- a sh- short period, <laughs> um, a little background to to their stories, because that poem tells you a great deal about one of the incidents that happens. Well, that that poem is about my husband's mother because she was the 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 liesel in the poems that was living in Germany with her mother. Her father had previously died. She was living in Germany with her mother and her father, the Jewish family, um, obviously through the, the 30s. Things started to get pretty awful. She was sent out on the kinder transport in December 1938. Um, her mother and brother managed to get out later and to England initially, and then they came to New Zealand. And that was the story as I knew it when I met my husband and, you know, we were together. And it was the history of the family and, you know, the horror of the Holocaust and that basically the story was all the family had had gone. But then um, in 2003 it was, my sister-in-law husband got a, an email from a woman in, young woman in the Netherlands and it turned out that Philip's grandfather who died in 1936 um, quite young, he had an, a peritonitis, um, he had a sister which no one well, no one in inverted commas knew about she was a kind of secret in the, probably around 1919, 1920 She'd been cast out of the family because she left her husband and her three daughters. Um, and it was all a mystery, really. She was never talked about. Um, there was an edict from the family that she wasn't to be talked about. And and so Philip never knew about her. Philip's my husband. He didn't know about her at all until this email in 2003 from the Netherlands. And then it transpired that this his grandfather's sister... Um, had had these three daughters. She had, in fact, died in 1932 of TB, so long before, even before Hitler rose to power. But her three daughters had continued to live with their father, and they'd all escaped from Germany and were by this, uh, went, mostly went to America. And um, the... The last of those daughters had just died before everybody got in touch. And Philip's mother had died by then too. So it was the next generation who was able to make contact and find out the story. And I was quite intrigued by the arc of the story that this woman was cast out of the family, dead be her name. And it was it was her that led to this connection of a whole bunch of the family that people didn't know about. And it was... Yeah, it was her name that was spoken then that meant there was able to be this reconnection, which I found a fascinating idea in itself. And it, and it was a wonderful sort of moment of redemption in a way and triumph for the, for the family who, who got to know each other and, you know, having thought that all that branch of the family had been killed, um, in fact, that, that wasn't true. Um, there was a branch of the family that had survived. Mm. And we were able to meet them in New York. So, it was, yeah. 
Well, a, a rich trove of stories for your poems, Vivian. Mm. When did you become a poet, or have you always been a poet? Well, you know, I've dabbled. <laughs> I, you know, I wrote some poetry when I was at university, way back in the late 60s, and then in little spurts after that, um, did a few little sort of weekend-type courses in the 90s and that, um, but and I did want to keep, I did want to do some writing. So after, well, I retired a little bit early, um, and so that I could do some writing. I thought if I'm going, if I am going to do any writing, I've got to do it now and get too old. So, and that was after I retired that I did the MA. In fact, yeah, and I had a few problems published in journals and things like that. But um, this is the first book. Mm. Yeah, well, enough to give you confidence that you could pursue poetry writing. And, a, you know, a, a year like, you know, doing the MA is is a wonderful time to, to really concentrate and to have this uh, idea of, of following, as you say, the arc of the story um, or the stories would have been so helpful. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I didn't, it was only it, it, it was only a small part of my folio for the MA as it sort of transpired. Because I mean, I didn't go into the MA intending to do this. It was something that you know, I, 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 the first poem I think I wrote was about Liesl on the Kinder transport. Um, that, that's in, in this book, you know. Um, so it was only my whole folio was about death and remembrance. <laughs> so, in a much broader context. And this kind of crept in as a sort of component of it. Mm. And I developed it later. Yes, I was interested in once you decided that you had a collection from all those poems, how you went about, you know, structuring it because it does, you know, follow the arc of the story, as you mm. as you say. Um, but it... Um, I, I found having a family tree in there really useful because you did need to go back and remind yourself of the connections between the mm. people. So um, yeah, thank you yeah. for doing that. But well, I mean, that was that's one of the problems. I mean, I, I haven't tried to do this in other contexts of telling a story, but trying to make decent poems out of it, but still keeping the story going. Um, so I, yeah, that's why I did the little sort of summary story in normal prose at the end, so that people had a reference point. Because I, could, you know, I could only sort of write about ideas of of what was happening in the story, and to, and to do poems for the individual people at certain, you know, moments in the story. So, um, yeah, there. there. I think it would be hard without the family tree and without the bit at the end. It would probably be hard to discern the story, but you know, it's possible. I think so that you'd have to be a detective, as I said. As I've said before, it's really a sort of five hundred page family saga and condensed. Yes, and as as only poetry can do, which is to to pull out and and explore in, in quite. You know, it's like having a, having a magnifying glass over something and taking it right down and seeing yeah. the essence yeah. of things. Yeah. 
Vivian, could you read us one last poem to finish? And thank you for a remarkable collection of poems. Um, every time I read a Holocaust collection I, or something about the Holocaust, I think, right, I've done that. But I think we can always be reminded and um, have a new perspective on it. So thank you. Thank you very much for the interview. Um, I'm going to read a poem called 41 Degrees South, which is um, at the end of it, towards the end of the book, after the connection has been made between basically the American family and the New Zealand family of the later generation. 41 Degrees South. We were not alone. There were others of our kin at other latitudes. We had each stitched that same sampler over and over in our separate hemispheres, rendering the linen stiff with silken thread. But now the holding tension loosened, and in that unravelling, the release began to effervesce and sparkle as if all our molecules had shuffled to charge positive. The past was not for cancelling, but if that were our baseline graph, this was a triumphant spike, a double flip at the end of a long trudge. And for a sliver of time, we all lived happily ever after. We Came from Hamburg by Vivian Ulrich is published by the Cuba Press. You're listening to Bookends on Plains FM 96.9. Neville Peat, a Dunedin writer, is the author of some 40 or 50 books covering themes of geography, biography, history, nature and the environment. In 2007, he was awarded New Zealand's largest literary prize, the Creative New Zealand Michael King Writers Fellowship, for a book about the Tasman Sea, and in the 2018 New Year Honours, he was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to conservation. Welcome to the programme, Neville. Yes, thank you, Ruth. Good. Well, um, you have been on the Otago Peninsula all your life, haven't you? You've lived there all your life. Not quite, but I grew <laughs> up in Osgill on the Patari Plains, uh, but um, then travelled a lot overseas in the 70s and 80s, and but came back to my to the hills of home. So I now live here, as you say, in, in Dunedin on, on Otago Peninsula, I'm looking at three islands in the middle of the harbour, and so the islands are continuously, you know, um, in my sights, if you like. Home is an island is the title of your new book, a writer's tribute to the islands of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And Neville, um, I, I imagine you must have gone away and visited them all because this is kind of like a very clever memoir as well because in your earlier books, you've concentrated on the topics, but I haven't heard much about you. Uh, and I, you've sort of incorporated your story into this uh, book. So how did you go about writing it? Did you go back to diaries and books and uh, you've got six islands that you were writing about? That's right. Yes, Ruth, that's, it's very good. Uh, you've got a good summary of what I was trying to achieve here because this, is, this will be the closest thing to a memoir I'll write, I should imagine. <laughs> and I wanted to use islands as platforms for telling stories about them and about how I first came into contact with them. 
Uh, so that uh, the islands, there are eight of them, and uh, they span a sort of a, a, a period of 20 years um, uh, from the, from 1969 through to the early 1900s, 19, should I say, 20, 9, uh, 2020s. And, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I was... Um, Trying to to not to make myself too prominent in it, but of course <laughs> I, you have to as you go in, and it, and it is it is a part memoir as you say, but it's also kind of a a tribute to the islands uh, of Aotearoa, New Zealand, which uh, in the marine realm span from Tokelau up near the equator through to Ross Island in Antarctica. Yes, it's a wonderful um, spread and. Uh I didn't think you, you're not the sort of person who would probably ever write a full detailed memoir. You're, you are much more interested in what's happening in each of the islands and um, whenever, wherever you write about. So I'm delighted that we get a little um, glimpse anyway of uh, what you did there in those days long ago with some of them. And I thought um, I would like to talk to you about Rakiura, Stuart Island, because um, as a child living in Invercargill, we went there a lot for holidays and in the early days when there wasn't a car or very much there except um, fishermen and uh, I... Uh, that's one I would want to talk about. And the other one um, was um, the Ross Island in Antarctica. So let's look at Rakiora first. Uh, 1969, you went there. That was a very interesting trip because you went there with the MacLeod family when they came back from Scotland. Yes, that's right. The, the globe-trotting MacLeods, um, very famous in the 1960s for taking their six children across overland from from Singapore through uh, through Asia and Europe and on to their ancestral homeland in uh, Skye, Scotland. Uh, they came back from the second trip, actually, with a vessel called Heather George, and it was that vessel, 100 feet long, which um, turned up in, in, in Dunedin when I was uh, working for the newspaper, The Evening Star. So that's how I met them. And... Um, and after a couple of months, they said, would you like a trip down to Stewart Island? And I said, yeah, very much so. And so off we went. It was a, a very eye-opening experience for me. I'm sure. It doesn't look a very large ship or boat. <laughs> that you... oh, 100 feet long. It's, it was certainly tough yes. and, um, and very seaworthy. Yes. Well, especially if they've been to Scotland or been to Singapore and then gone over land. But uh, tell me, how has how has Rakiola changed over the years? Well, it, it, funnily enough, it's it's popular. Resident population has sort of cha- has been around four hundred uh, for the decades that I've been experiencing it, and I've been there many times. Uh, and um, it's it's the size of um, the Coromandel Peninsula, roughly, and is, of course, our third main island. And uh, when you sing the line in the national anthem, uh, guard the triple star, the triple star is probably referring also to to Stewart Island, north, south and Stewart, uh, Rakiura. And, um, yeah, so it's it's, uh, in a a very interesting part of uh, the country, of course, hanging off uh, as the 
as the anchor for for Maui's uh, uh, exploration is this uh, great waka, which uh, kind of discovered uh, the islands of uh, Aotearoa. Yes, I liked that introduction. Um, so, uh, there's still fishermen there, fisher people. There's still um, wonderful oysters and blue cod. I haven't been for quite a long time, but you mentioned uh, Roy Trail and uh, <coughs> Trail family are very well known aren't they, and in Southland, and I, my sis, older sister, her best friend, was Sheila Trail, and she stayed with us lots of times because she came over to Southland Girls. So I've always had an interest in that family and um, what they've done. Yes, of course, Sheila was a fantastic uh, personality and a, a writer of her, in her own right uh, of many books. Sheila, as Sheila Natush, of course. Yes, yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I met her a few times, and I was very privileged to, to meet her father, Roy, as you said, uh, because we took him on, on board uh, as a guide, I guess, uh, on board the Heather George as we went down exploring south of, um, of Half Moon Bay into uh, Patterson, through Patterson Inlet and the Lord's River, down to Lord's River and back again. It became a national park in 2002. Uh, Helen Clark and Ed Hillary went over there, but I thought it had already become a UNESCO World Heritage uh, uh, place, but it hasn't ever... It was nominated, wasn't it? Has it actually been approved? No, it hasn't yet. It's a very interesting question because I, I sort of pose it at, uh, towards the end of the story of the book uh, that and it really deserves to be a, a natural... World Natural Heritage um, UNESCO project, I think. Um, and uh, it was nominated, but uh, the nomination wasn't particularly powerful enough, I think, at the time. I had a hand in, um, in fact, uh, researched and wrote the nomination for the subantarctic islands of New Zealand. And, um, and uh, uh, you know, that, that, was, that went through in... Um, 1998. Uh, right. 19, 1998. And, um, and, but, but Stewart Island awaits that designation yet. Yet, um, you know, it is 90% of it anyway is national park. So it is, it's got a, le- a high level of protection already. And it is an international dark sky sanctuary too, isn't it? Yes, that's true. Mm. Yeah. And mm. Wonderful. Viewing the southern lights, the aurora australis. Mm-hmm. That's right. So the other um, area that I have a strong interest in is um, down at the Antarctic because um, I have a niece who just um, she's just completed a trip. She's led um, a party of scientists following Shackleton's um, trail. And uh, she's, this is her second time she's done this. She's done a lot of um, uh, guiding and, uh, in, on, in Iraqi, um, Mount Cook. And uh, she's a very good, um, you know, person who knows her mountains and um, very, very well. And she had a, thought it was, it was such a privilege to lead the first time and now she's gone for the second time. I haven't heard all about it yet. But uh, that's a fascinating story, isn't it? 
Yes, it certainly is, and you're, you're very lucky to have a close uh, relative connection, actually, Ruth, with that. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah, there, and you're quite right to actually link Stewart Island, uh, Rakiura, with uh, Ross Island, uh, as highlight these two islands in this in this review, um, because Antarctica um, was first uh, set foot upon by people probably about 1895. And the four of them uh, came from uh, from Stewart Island. They were taken on board there by a, a British, uh, a Norwegian rather, a whaling vessel which uh, wanted extra crew. And they went down there and, um, and went ashore um, at Cape Adair in Victoria land, um, north, well, well, north of Ross Island. And... Um, Alexander von Tunzelman, um, to the day he died, I think, claimed to be the first one to step on the on the terra firma of Antarctica um, because he jumped out of their dinghy that uh, went ashore and held it steady for the rest of the crew to come off. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a strong connection with, uh, with Stewart Island, We're both with... Uh, with the sub-Antarctic and with the Antarctic exploration there. Shackleton, as as you mentioned, Shackleton, um, he uh, visited uh, Half Moon Bay and and the Stewart Islanders on one of his trips. Oh, thank you for that. I didn't know all that. (laughs) But I I just love this book, and people will do, because they will dip into it and, uh, you know, one of the eight islands that you've talked about in here and your experiences. It was so, uh, such a bonus. You've been to Antarctic several times? Yes, twice here yeah, as, as the information officer slash photographer uh, in, this, in the 1970s. Then I went back um, 30 years later uh, to um, research or complete researching uh, a book about the, uh, the the cooperation between New Zealand and the United States and, and Antarctica, and um, very lucky to to have that that book Antarctic Partners came out a few years ago now. But um, yeah, remark the 50th anniversary of that uh, relationship we have with the United States in in that beautiful big continent. Well, Home is an Island uh, by Neville Peat is a fascinating, insightful book about um, these islands and it's, it's got so much in it to um, digest and, and with wonderful photographs. You're one of our most prominent authors in this field, Neville, and uh, I, you know, you can keep on writing forever, <laughs> I hope. And uh, it's published by um, um, Potton and... Uh, Potton and Burton, who do magnificent books, produce magnificent books. So it's a writer's tribute to the islands of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ruth. And join us, Moran Rout and Ruth Todd, next Tuesday on Bookends on Plains FM 96.9.